Welcome to the First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. God is present with us in all times and places, within and beyond our comfort zones. How, then, are we taking time to reflect on how God is at work in the world around us when we take risks and broaden our experiences beyond our usual perspective? How can pausing for reflection help us think about our own hesitations and reservations in order to better connect to the world around us? In turn, helping to create a better world. This week's message of the week comes from Pastor Bryce Blank, who shares from Isaiah chapter 65 and challenges us to reflect on our journeys and adventures and to see how God has been present in every experience. Here is the First Church message of the week. about you guys, but I think Sandy did a really good job. All right, let's focus on Jesus. I mean, Jesus. So today is our uh, our third week of our sermon series, and uh, I'm, I'm glad you guys are laughing at that joke. Thank you so much, by the way. So the third week of our sermon series, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Gospel. It's about travel. And in our first week, Pastor Jen prepared us to leave home, and she challenged us to consider where God might be calling us to embark on a spiritual journey. And then last week, we looked at the woman at the well and asked us to consider where our comfort encounters, our uncomfortable encounters are that we might be avoiding, and how can we find Jesus when we lean into those encounters? And so today we'll wrestle with the realities that when we reflect on our newfound experience and our broadened perspectives, we find discrepancy between our dreams and reality. But first, let's take a look at Isaiah chapter 65. If you have your Bible or your Bible app or you want to look on the screen, Isaiah chapter 65, verses 17 through 25. For I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating, for I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy, and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it, or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days, or an old person who who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth, and who, and one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat fruit, and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord, and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lamb shall eat straw like the ox, but the servant, its food, shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. Here ends our reading. So do you remember the first time you ever drove a car? Or do you remember learning how to drive? I remember learning how to drive, and the first time I found it was very complicated and confusing and downright terrifying 
at the same time. There was so much to understand all at once. I had to do things with my hands and my feet, both at the same time. And it's kind of like it's someone who, who has short fingernails, watching them trying to peel off a label. It, you know, it's, it's going to happen. It's going to get there, but it requires a lot of focus, and it's probably pretty painful to watch, right? That's me learning to drive. And when I eventually was able to figure out how to coordinate my hands and my feet, I had to learn all the other things involved with driving, you know, traffic laws, being safe, and, you know, that thing called a blinker when we have to turn places. Um, and for me, specifically, I had a really hard time with trying to figure out how to maintain a certain speed and also how to keep myself a certain distance, a certain safe distance away from cars in front of me. And I remember one time specifically, I was on my way into school with my mom. She was in the passenger seat and I was driving one of the first times. And it was always the worst no offense, mom, if you're watching. It was always the worst driving with my mom rather than my dad because she would just yell out things as she got scared and her hand would instinctively come over across our chests and be like, oh, okay. You know, so it was, it was just a lot more intense experience. And so we're driving into town and uh, to school and we go down a big hill and then there's this area where there's a bunch of curves and it's really windy. And so as we're approaching this curvy area at the bottom of the hill, my mom starts to yell at me, use your brake, use your brake. And I'm yelling at her, I know, I know. Which in fact, I did know, but was not using the brake. And so we get to this curvy section, we take it about 50 miles an hour, I'm barely staying on the road. And the speed limit, mind you, is probably about 25 in this area. So I'm definitely well above what's safe. And thankfully, at the end of this curvy section, it kind of goes down and it dips up and it straightens out and then comes to a stop sign. And so naturally, I was able to kind of slow down when I got to the, the straightaway and momentum kind of pulled me down and we got to a stop. And there's just that moment. And it's just utterly quiet. And my mom and I look at each other and I have that moment of reflection as she takes her arm off my chest. Okay. I thought I knew how to drive, but I'm not quite there yet. And there's a very stark difference between where I think my driving abilities are and where I want them to be or where for safety purposes they should be. And as we read our text from Isaiah today, we see that similar contrast between what is and what will one day be. And the prophet Isaiah He's reflecting on the state of Judah, or specifically Jerusalem. And he's sharing a vision of restoration in a time where there was a lot of looming powers around. The Assyrian Empire at this time was continually growing in power. And on the other side of Jerusalem was the, Israel, was the nation of Israel and Aram. And they both were seeking to defy Judea. And so the current status of Jerusalem and Judea was kind of bleak. They had these powers looming around them. And internally, they're also dealing with some issues because there's this internal feeling of failure that they're not living up to the prophetic hopes of peace and justice for their city. Instead, Jerusalem is plagued with moral failure from its leaders and from the high members of society. And in turn, the system that is going on at this time 
is hurting those who are specifically on the outside. People who are orphans or widows or outcasts are feeling a financial burden. In some ways, it's almost like they're legally being robbed by the greed of the upper members of society. In these dark times, Isaiah sees Judah, and he sees what it could be and the potential it has for this nation. But he also sees how far it has slipped away from that potential. It's not quite where it should be as a nation. And so Isaiah envisions that there will be no more crying, no more distress. He says that we will not see the young die and that others will live to be at least 100 or more years old. There will no longer be hurt in the world. To me, that sounds pretty incredible. No longer having pain or suffering in our world. No longer having to deal with tragedies or be in distress. People will no longer have a need to cry because of being hurt or because our young are taken away from us too soon. The hard realities of the world in the time of Isaiah will no longer exist. Sin will have its grasp no more on our world and the world will in fact be restored. As the nation of Judah, they see the dream ahead in the future. However, they know that their present reality is far from that dream. Isaiah's vision, and when we take the time to reflect on what we see in our world, when we look around us, we see that maybe we are too broken to be restored. In a way, the way we travel, and specifically we use our cars, is a lot like Isaiah's beautiful vision for the people of Judah. The ideal for us is that our cars are really nice and shiny. They're always clean. All the parts are working perfectly in harmony, just as they're designed to do. When we think of our vehicles, we think of the things that get us to travel from one place to the next. We hope that there's something reliable. We hope that there's something we can count on. We don't have to fear about them breaking down or causing us inconvenience. However, like Isaiah, we too are faced with a contrasting reality as we survey our vehicles. Because as we know, vehicles require regular maintenance to keep them running. They require us to keep an eye and maybe an ear on what could possibly be going wrong so that we know right away when something is out of place with our vehicles. And ideally, we would stay on top of the maintenance needed to keep up with our vehicles, to keep them running. But again, we probably are faced with the reality that we don't always stay on top of them as well as we should. And maybe the sign that we need to go in and see a mechanic happens when we push down on the brake pedal and we slow down a little bit slower than we should be and we hear a little grinding on metal on metal, right? Okay, we're well past the point of needing to replace our brake pads because we no longer have brake pads. So the idea is that we stay on top of those things. But the reality is that sometimes we don't stay on top of our maintenance. And things, small problems become bigger problems, become even bigger problems, and sometimes they go way too far. And when we look back and we say, oh man, I wish I would have just stayed on top of that first little problem. I wish I would have paid attention and maintained my vehicle. But reality is I haven't done that. 
And sometimes that's our reality too. Where we should be, where things should be, are not the way we let them go, are not the way they have gone. Speaking of travel, I experienced my first ever car accident this last year, in February actually, and I had this black 2014 Subaru Outback, and I loved this car because it had plenty of space. It had been with me through many travels. We had just put the miles on together. So me and this car, we were bonded, right? Maybe you have a car that you've been bonded to, and you know what I'm talking about. However, one day I was traveling to the church that I served down in Texas, and I came up on this intersection. And this inter- and I was trying to turn left. And so this intersection required me to cross two lanes of traffic and go in the opposite direction. And so I came up to this intersection and I looked left. And one other thing to know about this intersection is that on the corner, on my left side, is a fence and a tree that kind of obscures the view. And as well, it's also a corner. So it's kind of a blind corner. So you got to be really careful. And there's no stop, there's no stoplight or anything. It's just a stop sign. So me trying to cross, it's on me to decide when to go and when it's safe. And so I get ready to go, look to my left, no cars, I'm good to go. I look to my right, good to go. I look back to my left, I'm clear, and I hit the accelerator. And as soon as I start to move forward, even a little bit into the street, I see a car coming. But it's too late. I'm too far out. And so the only thing I could do was press my gas pedal and at least try and get far enough, far enough into the lane that I didn't get hit right on my passenger door. And thankfully, they only clipped the back tail of my car, but it did spin me around. It pushed me over the median into the other lane of traffic. And so I was just totally frazzled. I mean, it was my first accident. It happened so fast. Thankfully, nobody was hurt. But in the minutes and hours and days to come, I couldn't help but recall that incident over and over and over in my head, wishing that it hadn't happened. And I kept wishing, what could I have done differently? If I had just done one little thing, taken a different route that day, or maybe pushed on the accelerator a little sooner, or maybe if I had just waited one more second, that wouldn't have happened. But that wasn't the reality of what had happened. And I had to reconcile that, that no matter what I did, I couldn't fix my car. It was totaled. I couldn't undo the accident. I couldn't take that back. Like the people of Judah, there's seemingly too much to fix in a situation, no matter how much we tried to change it. And like my car being broken in this instance, the nation of Judea is also broken at this time. And when we look at our world around us, it may seem too that our world is broken beyond repair. But today I tell you we have a hope. As we reflect on our world and we look at what Isaiah speaks about in this vision he's cast for us, we see that not all is lost. Because while there is a difference between what Isaiah envisions and our present reality and the reality that he was in, there's still something positive to take from it. We read in verse 22 that Isaiah says, They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. 
For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. In this verse, he's comparing the people of Judah, of Jerusalem, to a tree. And what he's doing is he's actually referencing scripture in Job, verse, or chapter 14, verses 7 through 9, which says, For there is hope for a tree if it is cut down, that it will sprout again, and that its shoots will not cease, though its roots grow old in the earth and its stump dies in the ground. Yet at the scent of water, it will bud and put forth branches like a young plant. So if the people of Judah are being compared to this tree, then that means that while they may fall, there is still hope that they will grow again out of what is broken. That something even more beautiful might perhaps come of it all. That for them, there is a hope that all is not lost. A hope of restoration. And that hope of restoration is found in Jesus. Our reflection brings us to hope of a better world that is found in Jesus all around us. While Isaiah may have only dreamed of restoration for his world, we know that with Jesus, we have access to a promise of heaven. And Jesus fixes the broken. And we have hope for a time in heaven with Jesus that may be just what Isaiah envisioned. No more pain, no more suffering. People able to live with peace and justice. We'll enjoy the fruits of our own labor. The widows will no longer suffer, nor will the orphans. We will be united with the priesthood of all believers. And when we take time to reflect on the world around us, we can see evidence that this hope is coming true. Here in our own community, we see evidence of a better world. The PAC program offers food to thousands of families all around who would otherwise go hungry. The Beacon Center gives women and children a, place, a safe place to go when they don't have anywhere to go. The Boys and Girls Club offers a place for kids to come, to hang out, to be safe, to have a healthy meal, and to learn about important values like being kind to one another. Here in our own community, we have hope of Jesus realized. Around the world, people are doing research. They're carrying out studies to improve the health and prevent sickness and diseases. Doctors, nurses, and other medical workers are becoming more and more skilled to heal injuries, cut down recovery, prevent negative residual impacts. Mental health awareness has grown now more than ever, and it's no longer hard to get the help for those who need it and assistance that's needed. Every day, our world comes closer and closer to solving world hunger. And as we reflect on the world around us, it may not all be good, right? It's far from being the vision of heaven that Isaiah envisioned, that he shared with us. But when we look around, we know that it's not without hope. It's not without progress. And it's certainly not without Jesus, as each and every day, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, transforms lives and works when we don't even realize it. So we can boldly declare that all is definitely not lost. So even though we may not be good at driving right away when we first start off, we learn, we, pro we progress, 
we get better. And through our reflection, though it might lead us to look at the world as too far gone, too broken to be restored, further reflection leads us to a hope in Jesus. A hope that here on earth, Jesus works to restore us every day. When we take time to reflect on our travels and where those take us, we might be scared of what we see. But as believers and followers of Christ, when we look at our own reflection, the hope is that we will see a little bit of Jesus in us too. And Jesus gives hope to all that is not lost. Amen. Please pray with me. Wonderful and loving God, we thank you for the many places you take us, for the places that we travel far from here and the places we travel close to home, for the ways that we are brought into new perspectives and new encounters, though they may be challenging. And then as we take time to reflect on what you show us in our travels, along this journey of life. Lead us to you. Let us find hope in Jesus that when we are downtrodden, when we are discouraged, when we face anxiety and fear and distress, when we think that the world is too far gone, it's too broken to be healed, that you would bring us to Jesus, that he is our hope, he is our restoration for a better world. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. For more information like our church calendar, worship times, and upcoming events, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. This has been the First Church Message of the Week.